welcome to your Mind is Trying to Kill You podcast. Join your host, Alexandros Megas, and co-host Vincent Byrne, as they walk you through the deepest recesses of the mind and how it operates. They discuss all the reasons why our minds persistently get in the way of our evolution, growth, and our success. But crucially, they also teach you what you can do to change your destiny. And now, here's your host, Alexandros Megas. Welcome to the Your Mind is Trying to Kill You podcast. I'm your host, Alexandros Megas. And I'm your co-host, Vincent Byrne. And this is our 25th episode. I am pleasantly surprised we managed to get here. Every time I'm surprised. Every time I'm surprised when I just see the next step. And I think that this is... It's a, it's a very valid um, way to keep getting ahead with your expectations. In other words, if all that you expect is one more step, then you will keep on pleasantly surprising yourself. And the more you surprise yourself pleasantly, the more yourself will be eager to delve onto the next level. What do you think about that? Absolutely. I think um, we often get uh, wrapped up in, in the end goal. And uh, as a result, it becomes so overwhelming, we don't even start. So uh, the idea of taking one step at a time is uh, one of my favorite mantras. Um, even if the, each step is a different type of step to the previous one. Um, so... Uh, no, I think it's good. And uh, 25 is, is uh, quite an achievement. I think it's a, um, uh, not to beat our own drum here, but I think it is a, uh, a testimony to our um, persistence and the fact that we have a lot of fun when we're doing this. That's right. Now, I, I thought you would have got the cake and the flowers that I sent you. Obviously, it hasn't arrived yet. I did, but my daughter threw it at my face. <laughs> It brings me to the next topic that I wanted to talk about today. Parenting. Uh, parenting. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, know, you know what to say. Be careful what you ask for. Yeah. You might just get it. I asked for a very strong-willed, uh, independent, uh, <laughs> yeah. and sovereign-minded uh, child and i got it yeah but you forgot to ask for the on off button that's right (laughs) (laughs) it's it's, yeah they they haven't installed that yet it's uh yeah probably at a later model next upgrade yeah the upgrade yeah so here's what happens (laughs) i was giving my little girl athena a little bit of i don't usually lecture her but uh, every time i i want to hopefully present her with an insight that will inspire her. 
I have this open conversation with her and then uh, I ask for feedback. Uh, so, you know, I told her ABC, you know, whatever the story was, that story is not important. Uh, to which she replied, it's not fair. Right? So, <laughs> and it was very cinematic and very kind of like heart-wrenching because it got me, even, no, even though I knew clearly it was a bullshit response, you see, because this is a response based on limiting beliefs. Yeah. And one might ask, where would a seven-year-old get limiting beliefs from if especially if the parent is a is a hypnotherapist right a guru <laughs> well this this is where the part where you you ask for an independent uh, and uh, strong-willed and and in, independently thinking child comes in and of course, you know, let us not forget that there's also the YouTubes and the TikToks and all this bullshit that the children are um, exposed to on a daily basis. And this is where they get a lot of uh, these ideas. And of course, you know, they go to school or they used to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where the interaction with other kids is molding a lot of that kind of uh, behavior. So mm. I thought to myself, I said, self. Why don't we cover uh, some of these examples of these limiting beliefs? You know, because a lot of people constantly want to know more about those. What do you think, my friend? I think so. I think it's, uh, it's the one thing that uh, comes up on a, a daily basis for us all. Um, when we get the opportunity to step into a space or to, to get to to take an action that we haven't actually taken before. Uh, invariably, um, it's the limiting beliefs somewhere in our programming that uh, impact on whether we jump straight in or whether we make excuses and don't do it or you know, make a half-hearted attempt because we don't believe that we can do it. So. I mean, there's a wide spectrum of limiting beliefs and they all impact us in lots of different ways. Because in many respects, we've all had similar kind of upbringings and, um, and programming if you're to take the uh, exposure to media that we would have all had over the past 30, 40 years, whatever. Um, so now I think it's a, a really relevant one for everyone. And I don't think any, I, I, like we've... We've done well, I think, only touching on it uh, in, in a significant way um, just once already. I know we've touched on it in small amounts on previous shows, but uh, I think we're due a full-blown um, Mark II uh, exposure of this particular uh, topic because I think it's very, very important. Yeah, 2.0, limiting beliefs 2.0. Hmm. So, so I, <laughs> I wanted to start addressing that comment that my little girl presented to me. Uh, that is, I think, the comment that plagues this society that we're living at large. And um, it becomes more and more 
uh, of an insidious kind of like there's a viral quality to it mm. because, because somehow people love to piggyback on concepts like that why because we have mentioned before that the subconscious mind powerful and mighty as it is it's actually the laziest part of ourselves mm. which is to say you will not engage in any kind of change unless it feels it's absolutely necessary to right so what does the statement life is not fair mean in the context of uh, the conscious and subconscious mind particularly the subconscious mind this statement means i am a victim it means someone is victimizing me life is not fair that means someone or something is stepping in front of my growth in front of my progress in front of my freedom in front of my whatever you want to call it and it is becoming a block to that in other words i'm not getting what i'm supposed to because someone or something is stopping from getting to me yeah right? and it shouldn't be like that and it shouldn't be like that yes so let's examine first of all i mean this this kind of concept there's a lot of uh, uh societal uh connotations and these days we know that the spirits are very let's say the spirits i mean this the human spirits <laughs> not the rest of the, the rest of them are also pretty excited but um when it comes to the everyday human that lives in the western world uh, there's a lot of agitation currently based on a lot of factors uh, the pandemic being not the list of which so what does it mean life is not fair and how most more importantly how does life is not fair serve me uh let's bring that to the i know this will sound simplistic but i want to bring it for for a moment bring it back to the animal kingdom right so there's a deer in the woods and it stops momentarily to drink some water from a little creek enjoying the view enjoying the water quenching his thirst right behind him is a pack of coyotes and get him they get him when he's not even paying attention to his surroundings because he's too consumed quenching his thirst now when you look at this from the perspective from a human perspective from what we've known from what we've been taught since we were kids this is a immediately it's an unjust you you would say that that's that's oh, that's not fair that's that's fucked up that's bullshit this poor deer was just trying to you know drink some water and it has to be attacked by those nasty coyotes but why would the deer be unaware of its surroundings does it serve the deer to be unaware of its surroundings i mean there are ways of drinking water without being completely blinded and deaf about what's happening around you the bottom line is this i cannot make anyone treat me 
in the way that I want to be treated or that I prefer to be treated. Mm. This is why when I assume a victim role, I am immediately becoming weak. I'm immediately becoming a prey. I'm immediately becoming a target for anyone out there that wants to take the opportunity to get me out in one way or another. I'll give you an example. Let's say you have a job interview and within that job interview, it's not, the job interview is not just for you, there's several people interviewing. So there's you, another person uh, waiting for that interview. And that other person goes in first. And uh, as that person comes out, you are being informed that it's okay, we have found the candidate, the position is no longer available. And, and of course you protest, but you didn't even interview me. It's not fair. Now, there are many connotations about what this is about, but the most important part here is that by stepping into this kind of arena, you are immediately disempowering yourself because nobody is going to go out there in this world or any other and do you any favors. And it is a favor if someone has any idea of acting in, in, a, in a certain way and you demand this person to act in another way because the way that they act is not of your liking, then you are asking this other person to change their ways for you. Yeah. That is immediate disempowerment on your end because nobody is going to do that unless there's something in it for them. This is, and because we're talking about the subconscious mind here, there's always this kind of like, uh, this kind of understanding that it's egotistical to act like that, right? It's, we've learned that, oh, the ego is horrible and what way, you know, whatever. But the, the bottom line is this, what you will do and what you will think where no one is watching and no one is paying attention is exactly what you will be compelled to do uh, on a daily basis out there. Mm. In other words, wouldn't you, let's take it back to the, to the job interview. What if you were called in first? You got in there and you got the job and you charmed the pants out of that individual. And uh, as you were exiting, it was announced that the job is no longer available. Would you protest that? You see, most of us do not take this kind of approach in life. We will only protest when we're not being served in the way that we would have liked to be served. Does this make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a... And we've talked, we've touched on it before. We, there's, a, there's a belief that we should be able to sail through life and not have ever encounter any problems, challenges, or adverse, or ad, adversaries. Um, 
And the example you mentioned in relation to the interview is, is perfect because we assume in that situation that we are being hard done by. But the reality is that if you look at it from the employer's point of, point of view, all they want to do is try and hire someone to fill the role that they think is suitable. And therefore, when they find someone, they're very happy to um, say, okay, the, the job is filled. Now, I've never seen that happen before, but, uh, and it probably would throw you if you were in that situation. But at the end of the day, they're not doing it to piss you off or to be unkind to you. Um, they could easily have brought you in, put you through the motions of 45 minutes of an hour of an interview, even though they knew that they'd already got their person. So they're actually saving you from going through the, to some extent, the wasted effort of trying to get the job only to find out that they've given it to somebody else. So, um, but when we approach things from the perspective that things like that shouldn't happen to me, I think that comes from a place where we expect everything to go well for us all of the time. And when it doesn't, we get upset and we get into victim mode. Other people get into, some people sort of get into victim mode and sort of coil up in the corner and other people lash out and get really angry. But it's, it all comes from the same place. I want things to go my way and it's not fair if they don't. And I need to blame somebody else. That's the other piece. It's not my, it's not me. It's, I need to blame someone else. Okay. Why is that a limiting belief? Because it's a limiting belief because it limits you. If you accept that program, then you won't be able to overcome that situation ever. You will just sit back because remember, when someone is doing something to you and you're not participating in that, you are a slave, you're a victim. And if you are a victim, then you cannot correct this because there's always somebody else who holds the keys to the situation. Yeah. So if there's somebody else that can, that can fix that and it's not you because clearly you're the victim, stuff is being done to you, then you don't have those keys. It's like, you know, you're in the backseat or in the, <laughs> in the trunk of a car and someone else is driving. I mean, yeah. right? It's, it doesn't matter uh, if you know that they're not going where they should be going. You cannot fix that. Yeah. So, number one, anything that goes against what it is that we wanted in the first place should be a flag for reassessment, for reflection. Mm. And this is what immediately is going to start empowering you. See, life is not fair. Life isn't fair, but why should it be? What, what, what does it even mean? See, uh, these kind of cliche statements that we use, we've learned to use them since we were kids, uh, they don't even have a meaning in of themselves. What does it mean, life is not fair? What does it mean? Because clearly, that cannot be an umbrella statement for everything and everyone, right? I mean, life is, you could say life is fair for some people, or for some creatures, and it's unfair for others. 
So if you say life is not fair, that's you're just assuming that this this is a program that oh you know life is always going to act unfairly towards me. Yeah, but it's is it not um, you know the 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 glass half full and the glass half empty? Um, it's purely a question of perspective, and if you see life as being unfair, then of course lots of things will step stand out to you. It's not that there will be any particular uh, increase in bad things happening because you uh, have this assumption that life is unfair, but you will see the things that are bad and you will take those things as evidence of the fact that you believe that life is unfair. Um, whereas if you come at it the other way and you see that you know life is great, uh, the, it's highly likely that you will see opportunities, uh, you will see things in a completely different light and you will have a, a much greater and more positive um, outlook as a result of just having that. And the, the circumstances that would have happened will be exactly the same. Like the, the movie will have played in front of you. It'll purely be a question of how you interpreted it. Is it a positive or a negative? So this is why this has become an limiting belief. Anything. So if we want to examine whether or not any of the beliefs that we have are limiting beliefs, we have to step back and examine whether or not this belief is serving me. Is it good for me? Is mm. it enhancing my life? Is it empowering me? Right? So, so can, I just, can I just ask, in that case, so the limiting belief in that situation, I, I see it as the limiting belief is that every should, everything should go well for me. I believe that everything should go well for me. And then when it doesn't, our response to that is it's not fair. So am I right in saying that the limiting belief is I believe that everything should go my way? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's the misguided thing because if you take a more open and expansive view, and as we've talked about before, life is actually a series of challenges that we need to overcome as part of our growth. When you get to that place, no longer is it a case of fair or not fair. In fact, you're, you're almost welcoming the next challenge because you know that you're going to be looking to grow. That's right. So, so it is, when that happens, see, there's, a, there's an interesting uh, thing that I have found out within my own reflection every time. Every time I, I have the urge to say things like that, of course, immediately I self-reflect and I, I take it back. And then the question that I'm asking myself is, how can this serve me? Mm. How is that a good thing? Because I take it as, because uh, of course this is programming yourself as well. Part of my programming my current programming is everything that my spirit and my mind is doing is doing it to enhance my life, to enhance my creativity, to enhance my prosperity, to enhance my skill, my skill sets, and to make me a lot more powerful in overcoming adversity. In other words, becoming a better machine, you yeah. know, becoming a, a human being that is closer to what one might call 
divine origins and and less close further away from uh, the idea that I'm, I'm like a pet you see and once again go back to religion <laughs> favorite, favorite subject my favorite subject um, we have learned that God is like God loves us and God loves us particularly when we do what God wants us to do right so to me there's a problem there here's what the problem is that becomes an an inward limiting belief that becomes a program because if i accept that if i'm a good boy or if i'm a good girl god will reward me i am then treating myself as what as a pet mm. this is what my dogs expect you know, to my, to my dogs, to my dog God, you know, it's, <laughs> uh, you reverse the dog, becomes a, dog, a God. So to my dogs, I am a God. I am the everything. I am the reason for existence. And I am also the, the aim on a daily basis. It's all about daddy. Mm. Right? If, however... These dogs do not perform as I expect them to because I have trained them to be like that. What does that mean? These dogs have been programmed to act in a certain way. Now, of course, there is the, the programming that comes from the factory <laughs> when it comes to a dog that has a proclivity to, especially, you know, it depends, I guess it depends what kind of dog we're talking about. Like let's say I have German Shepherds. There is this inane uh, or innate, what's that? Innate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> probably inane too, um, <laughs> proclivity to please the master, to please mm. the alpha. Mm. So if I look at this, and I replace the dog with a human. Let's just do that for a second. Let's just say that the dog is now a human, be it your child or anybody, you know, your help, your employee. What would you think if I was treating my employee as I'm treating my dogs? Mind you, parenthesis, I love my dogs to death. I love them. But that love is also conditional, you see. If they, on a daily basis, destroyed everything in the house and then attacked my kid, then my relationship with the dogs would be different, right? Yeah. So if you treat your employee as you treat your dog, someone from the outside, what do you think they would see? Do you think that would feel weird? Do you think that would feel, I don't know, disempowering, uh, unethical? Well, I think the thing is that uh, there's a lot of behavior around how you treat employees, which is accepted at this stage. Um, it's only starting to be questioned because it was all about managers telling people what to do, uh, which in many respects, uh, and, and that the manager, the person of authority should be feared. So th that's still quite... Um, 
prevalent. Uh, I see it a lot. Um, and because it's an old way of being, and it's the way in which many people were brought up, because they saw it in school and they saw it in parents and they saw it in other figures of authority, that it's all about pleasing the person in authority and not displeasing the person in authority. So there's a lot of people who still do that. They treat their staff, they treat other people like their dogs. Well, okay. So I, I, maybe I, I'm I, blowing your theory there. Sorry about that. No, I mean, it, it does happen, of course. But what, what does it... What does it mean? If that, does this behavior empower this other person? No. Does it empower your employee? No. no. This empowers them entirely, especially if they keep on adhering to that kind of behavior because that's all they've learned. And because they're afraid to deviate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So th that is total disempowerment. Yeah, and it, cre it, creates, it creates a situation whereby because they want to operate within the very narrow lines that, that the boss has given them, they won't deviate outside it. So if something odd or exceptional happens within the business, they actually either freeze up because they don't know what to do about it or they ignore it because it's not within the narrow parameters of what they've been asked to do. So the house, the the... the the business premises could be burning down and they'll go, Not, nothing to do with me. How much of So they have been disempowered completely. You're absolutely right um, because they're afraid to go either way. So do we want to be like that? I mean, ideally, this is what happens, right? Every time that something goes wrong, uh, there is a voice that comes up and says, I should be able to do this right i should be able to do this but there's always a but now that uh, second part is actually displaying the nature of the disempowerment the nature of the limiting belief hmm. ultimately the only type of inner belief when it comes to what happens around us that serves us is observing it as if it has nothing to do with us. Because, you know, there is also, there's always in this kind of situations, a self-judgment. Mm. Uh, what is that? In, in that case, for example, uh, you know, the employee or the, the employee with the interview, uh, the self-judgment is, I'm not good enough. Why are you doing this? You know, or am I not good enough? You know, this is why it's unfair, you see. It's unfair because you view me as something that I don't like. I don't like that description. Yeah. You know, I'm, I consider myself better, or I would like to be better than this other person. And yet, you know, you choose uh, them over me. So I'm not good enough. Mm. I mean, how many times would it be that someone would have that happen to them and immediately they would be like, Wow, that's awesome. That means that there's something better out there for me. <laughs> right? That means that that wasn't the right job for me. Or that means that that's, there's also, you know, because we put we're meaning-making machines. We need to assign meaning to everything. Yeah. So yeah. that is detrimental to our overall 
behavior and happiness and effectiveness. But if we must do that, why don't we then assign meanings to things that are empowering rather than disempowering? If someone does me wrong, what do I do? There are several things you can do. One of which is, you know, someone punches me in the face and I turn the other cheek like a good Christian. Do it again, please. I didn't feel that quite strongly. Mm. Uh, or I retaliate and <laughs> fight back. Or I say, well, you know, this is not worth my energy. Uh, I'm just going <laughs> to move outside of this area and go do something that actually doesn't involve this kind of uh, activity because that activity, I don't find much pleasure in it, nor do I learn much from it you know, whatever it may be. The thing is that if we end up assigning a meaning to a situation and that meaning makes us immediately feel empowered, then we are on the right track of correcting, overriding that limiting belief, that limiting program with a program that actually is a lot better serving. Mm. But I think part of the issue for most people who will be listening to this uh, around the issue of uh, limiting beliefs and are affected by it, it's, it's like as if they know afterwards that the decision or action or inaction or reaction has been driven. Well, if they're a little bit more aware, it'll, they'll know that it's been driven by some kind of limiting belief. But the difficulty is in how do you change that? So when you're in the middle of that confrontation or when you're in that office where you were sitting outside the door and that guy came out and the announcement was made that you um, don't need to be interviewed because he's already got the job, you're not, you're not prepared for it. So you don't actually know how to deal with it. And your natural way of dealing with it is probably the way you would have dealt with something like that as a child, which is to get a reaction, which is, upset, crying, you know, not saying that the person would do that, but it's from that same place. And so my sense is that, that we almost have to look at these limiting beliefs and the actions that typically come from following them and decide in advance what we are going to do when we are next in that situation. And to some extent, mentally rehearse it like we would if we went into a sales situation and somebody threw a curveball question at us and if we haven't got any if we're not prepared and we're not experienced then we're probably going to freeze or we're probably going to give some sort of ridiculous answer and then blow the sale but if we know that we're not able to handle those kind of situations if we take the time out to practice and rehearse what we might do in that situation the next time, that creates almost like an arsenal for us, whereby if they say this, well, we're going to say that. And if they do this, then we're going to do that. We go in with more confidence and we also are more likely to follow what we have rehearsed rather than leave it up completely to just gut reaction, which we already know is, is uh, been driven by not very supportive limiting beliefs. So 
is that is that fair that that we that that is the way to to work with it that you need to kind of plan in advance as to how how in fact you're going to behave the next time absolutely well i would take it a step further because you know i always do <laughs> okay let's say that your your training in uh mixed martial arts right and you're training because you want to participate in some kind of competition. Your trainer always treats you as if if, if he goes too far, uh, they might hurt you. So it's always like, oh, did I? Did, I'm sorry, did, I, did that hurt? You know, and within your entire training, you've been dealt with as if you were very easily broken. Would that have prepared you for for what you are just about to face when you go into that competition? The answer is, of course, not. Absolutely not. Because both physically and mentally, you will have expected that your opponent should act a certain way. So this is what I do in my insane approach to dealing with my own LinkedIn beliefs conquer that fight i start if i am examining a situation before it happens before it's about to happen i sit back and i meditate on what's the worst that can happen here and not here generally as a matter of fact i uh, i always take things to the extreme version of what could happen what could go wrong today what is the worst thing that can happen for me today uh, you know, die, you know, whatever it may be, right? For, for, I'm assuming that death is right where, where uh, the limit is, but you never know. I mean, maybe some people would take death over certainly, you know, being tortured. <laughs> so I define what the worst thing that could happen to me today is. And I start my day knowing that if that doesn't happen, everything else is a step or several steps upwards. I am immediately setting myself up for success mm-hmm. because everything that is above my limit of, okay, that's, that's where I draw the line, uh, is a successful situation. Now, of course, someone might say, well, you know, that could also make you very lazy. That means like if you don't die today, you don't need to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> and that makes sense. Now, this is one of my, see, there are several kinds of little programs. Now, if you're running your computer, it's not just one piece of software that is keeping that um, system running. It's very many and they're interacting together. Mm. So for me, uh, every step that I make uh, within the day needs to, at the very least, um, support my survival and mine and my loved ones, right? So that's that. I take care of that early on. I take care of that kind of meditation early on. This starts, this program is running. That means that whatever the case, this is my firewall. Nothing goes beyond that part. 
Okay, now that's the one that's a base program, and then there's other programs that are running on top. Then there's another program that says if you don't at least make a single step, very solid step towards uh, empowerment, improvement uh, in every way within your life. Once again, skill set, empowerment, uh, mental state, uh, a physical state, physical health, abundance level, uh, you know, ways to improve your prosperity and, and so on. Any of those, a creativity, of course, what you produce within the day. So that's my second step. There's got to be at least, at the very least, one solid step of improvement now here's why i put this thing so it's like a little step stepping stool mm. for me because i put in different firewalls on every single step you see when i put in my ultimate one that has to do with my survival and the survival of my loved ones uh, i this is my my bottom my cushion my bottom cushion my 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 safety net Mm. Uh, nothing can go beyond that. Then I start building on top of that. So at the very least, one single solid move of improvement happens within every day. At the very least. If this, and here's the next piece of programming, if this move has been achieved successfully, then comes the extra bonus. I keep on making moves until something stops me. Now, the more, before you say that, the more, the more I make those moves within the day, and the more I make them without being stopped, the more addicted my subconscious mind becomes to that sort of high. And so it makes sure that it present, it, it, it um, prevents a lot of those things going wrong so, because there's always something to fall back onto. You see, oh, this one, uh, I, I start doing something, I start creating a new, um, let's say, fine art piece. Something goes wrong in there. It's just, I'm not feeling it. It's not really coming together. Uh, I don't sit there and lament that situation and I move on to the next uh, piece of the puzzle that could get me uh, improvement on another sector within my life within that day. And that keeps on happening. And of course, if I resolve that second one, then I move on to the next because there's always, and I always have uh, rewards attached to every single one, um, you know, uh, when it, it's a successful move. Every successful move holds a reward. You know, it's like a video game. And of course, it has to be like a video game because this is what we have learned about being addicted. See, when we get addicted, why are we addicted to something? Addiction is only happening because there is a reward or a perceived reward at the end of that line. Mm that we can harness immediately, instantly, right? So we are getting addicted to the reward, the high. So in my 
life, I have found out that it, it actually works perfectly to put in several levels of those highs, several levels of those rewards as I am achieving things. And then, of course, the opposite happens as a, if I am not. Like there's a setback, okay? If I don't do this or if I, if I don't do this successfully or if I, for some reason, just feel like totally unmotivated today, tomorrow I have to make up for it. So it's, it's all, you know, it's a set of rules. Everything is a set of rules and all rules are arbitrary. But at the very least, when you set up those rules, make sure they're your rules. Make sure you don't follow anybody else's rules uh, and, and make sure that these rules make it fun for you and they make it rewarding and they make you want to keep on chasing that thing, whatever it is that your goal is. Does this make sense? Yeah, yeah. So if we put it in the context of dealing with... Um limiting beliefs and overcoming the impact of limiting beliefs. Are you saying that by practicing um, this regime or routine um, every day, whereby you are continually pushing and reaching and driving yourself to uh, improve and develop and grow, that are you overriding what might be inherent um, limiting beliefs. So you're not kind of giving them the opportunity to breathe because you're so focused on development and growth, et cetera, and creating a new pattern of behavior. So you're just effectively um, strangling the, the, um, the negative ones. So is, is that what you're saying? Is that, that what the impact of that is? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Because remember... Uh, energy flows where attention goes. Okay. So wherever you choose to put your attention on a daily basis, this is the part of your life that's going to benefit from it. So, and of course, you, you can't multitask in the sense that, you know, you can sit there and wallow in self-pity and at the same time do something else, right? So by virtue of doing something else as your first choice, the self-pity takes a back seat. Yeah. And by virtue of doing that, it's not getting fed. It's not getting fed with your energy. It's not getting fed with your life force. And if you don't feed that, there's only a, a certain, a limited um, a number of those situations that will come up because there's a moment where this self-pity is starved. And if it's starved, because you have to treat it like an entity. You have to treat it like you are a host of a, a spirit. Mm. Right? I, now, I don't just, this is a, it's a magical technique, actually, and a hypnotic technique. If you treat your everyday situation, whatever it may be, let's say, oh, you know, I have to deal with this very challenging thing in, that challenging thing becomes a demon, you know, so you name it, that's a demon, so-and-so demon. Then that might actually motivate you to just go out there and battle the demon. And when you defeat the demon, there is a certain, I mean, that demon could just rise up again, but then every other time that it rises up, it's going to be less and less uh, empowered. So the more just like in a video game, the more you hit that entity, 
the the less power they get, the less energy they get, and then you end up slaying them in the end. And when you do that, you will find that you don't have that desire to you know fuck around <laughs> any longer because there's something else that seems a lot more uh, fun, a lot more uh, constructive, you know, yeah, a lot more yeah. creative that you could do. And you understand that this is a choice. Once you, once you start engaging and once you start to not back off all of your opposing situations in life, you know, you get up in the morning, oh, I'm too fat, oh, I'm too, oh, I'm too old, oh, I'm too clumsy, oh, I'm too, you know, I'm, I'm not educated enough, oh, I'm not, I don't have skills, oh, whatever. If you start there, you make a point, you say, take a note, oh, what am I? I'm too fat. Oh, I'm too fat, you know, okay. Yeah, I'm a fat bastard. Okay, so, <laughs> so then that is now your opponent. Me, too fat, is my opponent. So now I'm going to start beating you up. And by beating you up, I mean like I'm going to start doing everything I can to disempower that entity. Right? Okay. And what disempowers that entity? Everything, the opposite of what empowers it, which is what? To eat the wrong foods, to not exercise, to be, uh, you know, um, laying around doing nothing, to be unmotivated, you know, it's yeah. So, I mean, in you describing your routine, um, clearly you have thought it through and you've built on it over time um, in order to get you to that place. So if for the people watching, listening to this, um, there's lots of people who don't have a routine like that. And certainly not from the perspective that you outlined, you know, to overcome and strangle or starve the uh, negative um, programming. Where's the best place to start? Is it get out a pen and paper and start to map out a, a plan for a daily routine? What is, what, what way to go about it? Because obviously what, what the, the message that you get from a lot of people is that if you've got negative uh, beliefs that you need to look at those negative beliefs and you need to start reframing them in order to turn them from negative beliefs into at least neutral if not bringing them around into positive whereas you're suggesting an approach which is kind of okay well they're there and we're but we're going to ignore them because what we're going to do is focus on pushing and building and growing ourselves so that the negative beliefs never get a chance to show their heads. So what, what's, the, what's the steps that um, you might take to create the routine you're talking about? Or even the, where do we go from point zero, given that a lot of people listening to this may not have thought about approaching it in this way? So where do you start and what are you trying to create? Well, I would start with, um, we'll talk about affirmations, right? As a matter of fact, just, it's funny to say that because I have recently created a short book that is called Five Secrets to Crafting the Perfect Affirmation. There are a lot of people out there that think that affirmations is just stating out what you want and, uh, you know, out loud or inwardly and then expect that this is going to manifest. And that 
is not the case at all. Uh, there are many loopholes for the affirmations to not work. I, I give you an example. I saw this meme, uh, one of the law of attraction peeps um, in one of those Facebook groups. The meme said, I know that one day I will be my own boss. Right? Yeah. Affirm yes. Right? Affirm yes, if you believe it. So to, to the outside observer, that's, that's a very sound affirmation, right? But to the person who knows how the subconscious mind relates, that's a very shitty affirmation. Mm -hmm. I'll explain to you why. This is where we bring in the clarity in, in our thoughts. Everything, remember, the, the subconscious mind is very literal. Or as the saying, the secret, this, the, this universe is very literal. Mm. So the subconscious mind, which is responsible for building your reality, is extremely literal, just like a child, right? So it, it's not speaking in metaphors. It's not speaking in parables. Uh, <clears throat> so if the subconscious mind gets that statement, I know that one day I will be my own boss. The subconscious mind, very eager to please, will say, yes, of course. One day you will be your own boss. Mm. But of course, one day doesn't exist in anyone's calendar, which is to say <laughs> one day is not a deadline. It's not a literal deadline so that the subconscious mind feels the urge to fulfill it. If you say, in, uh, as opposed to this, if you say, I know that in a year from now, I will be my own boss, that is a much better suited affirmation. Mm. Of course, there's many other tricks to it. So I tell you what, it's because I'm feeling very generous today. <laughs> Am, aren't I? I don't know. I will put a link to a free, um, a free copy of that book. Uh, so you can see it all this also like, I don't know, 18, 18 pages, something like that. Uh, and and uh, it's got images, it's really fun. <laughs> um, so anyone who sits down and, and eagerly pays attention to this gets all the points of how to go about crafting an affirmation so going back to what you asked me before you wake up in the morning right and the first thing you do the first thing we do by default is what affirming something oh so a lot of people are like, oh shit another day yeah <laughs> right as or as i say like it's like good god morning or good morning god <laughs> so there, there is a certain flavor in our approach the, the the very first moment we wake up so pay attention to your feelings how do I, how do you feel are you in a bad mood waking up if you're in a bad mood waking up that may mean that your beginning affirmation is shitty is disempowering so what you want to do is start doing a couple of things that will center you, you know, like splash some water on your face, get some coffee, whatever it is that, you know, of course I would say 
do a little bit of uh, exercising, but that's all necessary. Sit down and meditate. What is that? Meditation, you don't have to be a guru to do that kind of thing. Meditation is about, you know, sitting down quietly and paying attention to what you feel. You know, what are you feeling? Oh, I feel, I feel like a fuck up today. Oh, I've, <laughs> when is that pandemic going to end? You know, whatever the case. We take those statements and we let them go. Take them in. We, we, we know, <laughs> yes, okay, I got it. And we let them go. And now we can start building rebuilding these affirmations. Mm. And the affirmations, of course, if you follow the, the book guidelines, will tell you that you can start easy by saying, oh, it's not that bad. I mean, think about it. That's an affirmation. This is, this is actually an affirmation that everyone, everyone can step into and feel good about it, right? Because the way you feel after uttering the affirmation is, is of massive importance. So it's not that bad. It's not that bad. That's your basic, this is, this is your cushion right there. Mm-hmm. This is your safety net. It's not that bad. Could be better. Can be better. It can be better. It is better. It's becoming better. With every inhale and exhale, it's getting better. Like the Beatles songs, it's getting better all the time. Mm. Good affirmation, man. It's getting better all the time. It's getting better every day. Every day in every way. Everything in my life is getting um, closer to my goals, to my desirable outcomes. Mm. Now, if you start, let's say you sit there for 15 minutes saying that affirmation just say it out loud it is amazing what that will do for your inner emotional state yeah it is extremely easy if you don't let's just say right off the bat if you don't change your negative emotional state in the morning you have wasted the day because that is now a virus Everyone's familiar with that term. <laughs> mm. That is now a virus that will do what? Just like a virus does, keep on uh, working on its incentive to multiply. So if you start out with that, by the end of the day, you will be feeling like a pile of shit. Mm. Because you've basically spent the day going around noticing all the things that validate the idea that's right that you feel really bad and so that that has just led one thing to another and and ultimately you get to a point where you feel feel really bad yeah yeah this is your shitty affirmation it's an affirmation it's brilliant because it's, it works perfectly because you have worked on it so masterfully over the yeah. years right why is it? Oh, people will say, oh, you know, I can't, I can't get rid of my limiting beliefs. My, I, I don't know how to use affirmations. Affirmations don't work. Of course they do. They just work against you because mm-hmm. that's what you have trained to do. Yeah. Right? You listen 
to everything that happens outside of you instead of what should be happening on the inside. Yeah. Start taking orders from your inner spirit. Yeah. From your higher self. And how do you know these orders are coming from your higher self? They make you feel empowered always, right? Always. Mm -hmm. Your higher self will never talk shit on you or about you. Mm -hmm. It will never try to tell you how shitty you are, how incompetent you are, how weak you are. But of course, the right attitude will turn everything uh, into a positive influence, right? So, yeah. like I said, uh, me, the masochist that I am, I expect the people around me to point it out if I'm being a shithead. <laughs> Mm. why because i feed off of that this is a reflection mm. and if i come across a certain way i need to know so that i can immediately start correcting so either you bring your own either you bring yourself to awareness or other people bring you to the awareness and um, either way you're in a state of awareness so therefore you can do something about it Absolutely. And this is the best we can build on and the best we can hope for in our daily lives, to be aware. Yeah. Because we've talked about that before. Yeah. Uh, when we live on automatic pilot, which is the vast majority of the people, by the way, uh, they, they live based on the programs that have been written for them. And these programs get validated and they become stronger and stronger every day because they kept on being affirmed. So that happens because there's no awareness. The conscious mind and the subconscious mind, they, they haven't been interacting much. Because mm -hmm. as we've said many times, they don't, if we leave them alone, they will not want to talk to each other. Right? But if you consciously bring the the nudging towards oh you know hey subconscious mind what are you doing are you, are you okay you know what's going on He's behind the door you know it's in the attic dude are you okay do you want to talk yeah. how do you feel today right so this kind of communication is bringing more and more awareness to what is going wrong if you have awareness of what's going wrong then you can start immediately taking action right so it's the same the same thing that pain does to us why is pain good and by the way pain right has been that's another limiting belief that pain is bad pain is bad that this has been like a concrete one program that this society has made uh, very solid for for a lot of us right and this is the entire marketing advertising uh, industry is laughing all the way the bank because they're out to help us avoid pain mm. with all kinds of products which of course will not help us avoid anything it will get us deeper into that pile of crap that is plaguing us so Pain is a good thing. Why? Because pain is telling us, is giving us a message. Dude, something is wrong. Right? 
It's like something, you did something wrong here. Oh, well, you, you just cut your hand while chopping tomatoes. Something is wrong. You have to fix it. So isn't it a great way to deal with that pain on every level? Emotional pain, right? What does emotional pain say? It says, Vincent, you keep on doing the same shit all over again, man. And, 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 and you keep on ending up at the same, you know, place here. It's like, this is a loop. Maybe you should take another turn. Yeah. Instead of trying to snuff out these impulses, we pay attention to them and we start bringing awareness to the situation as opposed to uh, wanting to make them go away. Just go away. You know, I start like drinking or smoking or, you know, sleeping or, you know, engaging in any kind of addictive behavior that acts as a, as a buffer. It acts as a, as a destruction, diversion. Or, or, or doing what, what the majority of people do, which is just getting lost in a day-to-day routine. So going to work and, you know, doing what they do until they come home and then they watch TV and then they go back around again. So it doesn't even have to be addiction in the sense of, of uh, you know, alcohol or drugs or whatever. It can literally just be allowing yourself to get lost in the day-to-day uh, drudgery um, because that's kind of easy, easier than facing up to specific things that need to be dealt with. My takeaway from this is that um, there isn't a need to focus on the limiting beliefs themselves. What it, Instead, what we need to do is to uh, start to become aware of what it is we want to change and make decisions about how we're going to behave in situations as we go forward. So that's one piece. But the other piece is that make a plan to start to take action from the time you open your eyes in the morning, whereby you clear your head, sit down, meditate, ask how you feel, see what comes up, bring up the bad stuff, acknowledge it and say, okay, I've got it let it go and then start to use some affirmations which change uh, the way you are feeling to from from being quite numb actually rather than bad but just even quite numb and not tuned in to a case of where you're saying this is this day is is good it's getting better it's going to continue to get better um, as is my life and, and all of that. And you start to turn your attitude either from a negative one or even a neutral one into a more positive one. And then once you set yourself up like that, it, it allows you to see the good stuff during the day, allows you to deal with the shit that's likely to happen during the day from a perspective of ownership and control rather than from victim and being a slave. And slowly by doing that, you begin to strangle these limiting beliefs that have held you back and stopped you moving forward. It's kind of, to me, it's all, it, it's about, it's like living your life with purpose rather than just living your life. Yeah. Very well put my friend. Yes, exactly. 
And, and the, the understanding here that the outside circumstances, is this has to be there. We, we have to drill that into our conscious and subconscious mind. We need to know that what we're facing right now is happening for a reason. And if it feels painful, if it feels uncomfortable, if it feels um, excruciating, if it feels like we can't step out of it, there's always in there the piece that will make the puzzle show up. None of what is happening is happening for no reason. Mm. Uh, everything that's happening is happening for a reason and that reason is for us to become more aware and more able to tweak that machine that rides our behavior yeah uh, we can't not only can we do that but we should be doing that we should be doing that consciously on a daily basis if something is going wrong it's going wrong because of a blessing and the blessing is thank God you have something or someone whispering in your ear that, Oh, this is not a way to live a life, man. This is bullshit. I, something must be done. Yeah. Something must be done. Right. As opposed to, uh, let's say, take the metaphor of being uh, a, a, a drug addict. If you had someone providing your, perfect fix on a daily basis without you having to worry about it at all right what would be your motive to step out of it yeah unless you got into a situation where you felt crushed so we are here to evolve we are here to become better than what we came here as so everything contributes to that pay attention to your feelings and understand that there's always ways around everything. Yeah. You will only explore or you will only discover the way around dealing with these things if you acknowledge that they exist and stop trying to hide them, make excuses for them, or just bury them in order to avoid, try and avoid feeling uncomfortable. They have to be, you have to turn around and you have to face them. That's in effect what we're saying. Yeah. And then in facing them, by even doing that, and I know from my own circumstances, I mean, I buried my head in the sand over a number of issues over the years and all they did was get worse. But when I turned around and faced them, not only did answers start to appear that I never would have envisaged because I was so caught up in worrying about them, but I started to get better and clearer uh, about what I needed to do. And people started to show up that helped me um, to get things fixed. So there is a huge value in literally just turning around and facing the enemy or the, the pain or whatever it is that's making you feel uncomfortable. I, I could certainly testify to that. Absolutely. And as I always say, Every day is a hero's journey. Yeah. A hero's journey cannot start with something not seemingly be wrong. Mm -hmm. like the hero's journey will always 
Just look at your favorite movies, favorite books. There's always the adversity. There's always that force that makes it seem that you're you're screwed. <laughs> your your obstacles are not. There's not a chance that you're gonna overcome them. Yeah, that's yeah. the beginning of a hero's journey, and you are that hero on a daily basis. And how much more amazing can life get if you get to the point, not if, when, you get to the point of going through that hero's journey on a daily basis and becoming that hero at the end of every day. Yeah. You know, because every day is like, we call it, you know, I call it a little death. You know, it's, it's like a lifetime mm. from, from morning to night. It's like a lifetime. Treat it like a lifetime. Every day is a lifetime. What can you do within that day? We all have the same amount of time. Some people take it and create miracles. And some people sit back and watch Netflix or play Nintendo. You know, if you want to become that hero, then that's your, there's your chance. Every day, you have a chance. Take right. it. Let's wrap it up there. And uh, we leave, um, we leave a, a link to your download in, um, in the podcast and in, the, um, in the, the YouTube notes, just to make sure that people can get it and sign up for that. So we wrap it up there. That's right. And thank you, my friend, always for being there to uh, ask the stupid questions. To put me in line. Because <laughs> Lord only knows what I would say or where I would go if I was just by myself. So you are my conscious mind right there, and I appreciate you. Uh, you're the man. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and thank all the people who paid attention to us this time around. And, uh, of course, we'll see you again next Wednesday, or maybe no, we'll, we won't see you. We will think about you. Yeah. Uh, and until then, let's be careful out there. And don't let your mind kill you. Thanks for listening to Your Mind is Trying to Kill You with Alexandros Megas and Vincent Byrne. If you like our show and want to make sure that you don't miss an episode, then we would love if you would subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And you'd be doing us a big favor if you would support us by leaving a review as well. It would also be great if you would take a screenshot of this episode on your smartphone and share it on social media. So join us next Wednesday when we talk more about mind hacking and taking back control of your life. Until then, have a great week.